0: This is David. Welcome back. Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one and only Shaman Durek. Hello.
1: Hello, babe. How are you? I'm awesome.
0: Yeah? Yes. Why? Where are you in the world? Are you in Los Angeles or am I just making that up?
1: Um, No, I'm in the Hamptons.
0: Oh, you're close. <laughs> well, I mean... I'm in New York City, so I guess, you know, you shouldn't say the Hamptons is so close now, is it? I was just talking yesterday about how people not from New York think the Hamptons is close, and in reality, I guess it's not close.
1: I'm usually in Norway with my girlfriend, but now I'm in the Hamptons visiting family.
0: Nice. Well, you know, the Hamptons, Norway, they're both very nice places to be. Do you have a favorite Hampton?
1: Um, I'm staying with my sister in Sag Harbor and, um, and I also, but I love all of Hampton. I love the Emma Gansett cause my friend Gwyneth stays there. So I get to spend time with her. And also I love, I love everything. I love all of it.
0: Sag is secretly my favorite actually. Yeah. But we're going to talk about your girlfriend. We're going to talk about your friend Gwyneth. We're going to talk about a lot of things here today. Okay. But I guess I want to first, you know, I want to talk about you. Like, where are you from originally? I like to start at the beginning.
1: That's fine. I was born in Sacramento in Elk Grove. I grew up in a small town outside of San Francisco called Foster City and also grew up in Hawaii, in Hawaii. Oh,
0: wow. How was growing up in Hawaii?
1: It was a bit tense and tough because, you know, Hawaiian culture is not the easiest culture when you're a kid and you're growing up in an Asian family. So my my stepmom is Hawaiian, Filipino, Japanese. So it's very Asian. You have to respect your elders and you know, it's all about the elders, it's you know, so there's like everything is a, is you know a certain way, but you know you spend a lot of time at the beach and you can go surfing and hang out with your friends, eat shave ice, go skateboarding, so that was cool
0: so that's like a good part of it, right? yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, but yes, I guess when you're young respecting your elders, you don't really want to hear about, so to speak, yeah. Yeah, that's
1: very typical in the in in most of the Asian and Polynesian and all of that um, culture. It's always about the elders.
0: That makes sense to me. So I know that you are a sixth generation shaman. So I guess my first question is, what does that mean to be a sixth generation shaman?
1: uh it means that my ancestors uh from my dad all the way to my grandmother and my great-grandmother they were all shamans my dad actually walked away from it to become to become more um westernized and more in modern in a modern context of like making money and building hotels and doing all this kind of stuff um however basically it runs all the way back to my family from haiti to west africa and I was chosen when I was five years old and I started training when I was 10. And then I started studying world religion when I was about 14 and understanding everything from the Torah, the Talmud, to the Quran, to the Christian Bible, to the old Testament, new Testament, and then philosophy, and then Buddhism, Tibetanism, Baha'i and Krishna, and really getting deep into all of it because as a shaman, We learn from our family members, our gifts and our skills and our abilities. But at the same time, we live because we're not born in the jungle like some shamans, and we're not born in rural areas like grasslands or flatlands or anything like that, so we're not taking care of a tribe. We're actually born in the Western world, so we have to take care of the world. So we need to understand why people think the way they do. Why are there atheists? Why is there people who are Christian? Why is there people who are Muslim? And how do they think? Where do they get their their ideas from? And how do they associate that in their human ecology of how they connect with people on a conscious level, on a um on a real level from their like building their relationships in their community? How do they make money? How do they, how do they create the way they think that allows them to evolve or not evolve?
0: Okay, and I know you mentioned like you started this at age five. I know, like at age five, you had visions about people in your class. Is that true? So
1: when I was five, I started having visions in as a kid, and then when I went to kindergarten and elementary school, I saw visions of people in my class, and then and then people started uh, the parents of those kids started telling me it was true, and then my powers got stronger and stronger to the point where I could actually feel what my teacher was up to and how she was operating, and why she was getting annoyed and like everything. And it just, you know, as the years go by, your powers get stronger and stronger.
0: And so, because this gift came to you at five, you know, did you ever sway, you know, as like a typical teenager, child, wherever, like, I want to be a fireman, I want to be an actor, I want to be a doctor. Was there ever that going through your minds? Absolutely.
1: I walked away in my, in my uh, early 20s to go, I went on my quote, unquote, walkabout. And I went to New York City and became um, started taking dance classes at Alvin Ailey in ballet, Martha Graham, Bob Fosse, understanding um, you know modern dance, and then also at the Broadway dance. And then I got um, picked up as a lead dancer for this TV show called The Grind on MTV. And then they ended up getting rid of uh, the host, one of the hosts that was there, which was Eric Nies and some other people. And so then I began to... Um, become the vj with the dancers became the vj for the show so we did that so i did that for a while and then i did a lot of different uh, like commercials and acting and so forth then i got picked up for modeling from karen paris in um in france and israel and i started doing all the fashion shows and stuff but i was bored to death um because you know you're sitting backstage you're super skinny you're like barely eating You know, you're living in a model's apartment with annoying people who are always messy. And I'm such a Scorpio, so I can't stand mess. So I like everything to be super tidy and everyone was messy and I was on bunk beds. And yeah, every time we made money, the money went straight to the agency to pay them first. So by the time we got the money, we didn't really have any money unless we were doing big campaigns. And I just was like, what am I doing? You know, um, I was living in Israel, I was doing stuff in Milan, Israel, New York, all over the world. And in Israel, I was—I I had like a TV show. I was like, you know, always like became like a huge success. There I was the first male black model. Um, so it kind of blew up. I opened up Fashion Week for Jean-Paul Gaultier and all of these different things. But I never felt fulfilled. And when I sat down with this woman who was, saw my future, she said, this is just for you to see, so you don't ever feel like you didn't live that life. Um, but you're gonna be, you're gonna go back to your family's roots, and I did. I went back and completed being who I am today. I never looked back.
0: I have so much to. I did not expect any of that. Um, well, first of all, I know Eric needs the grind. We've had Eric on our show, so I had no idea you were on the grind and a VJ and all of that. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. How was that? I mean, I, I I remember The Grind. Like, that was the huge show at the time, you know, for MTV. It was great.
1: It was just a lot of work, you know, because Eric left MTV. Right. Then they brought in Jason Olive. And then he didn't know how to read on the teleprompter. So we would all be sitting there waiting for him. And I was one of the star dancers on the show The Grind. And then um, they brought in Georgina Bennett. She didn't also know how to read a teleprompter. So then one day I get a phone call and they're like, do you know how to read a teleprompter? And I was like, yeah. And so I read the teleprompter. So they made so they made it more like a DJ show where they had like a DJ, like Frankie Knuckles and all these people come in. And I was like the person interviewing like Wyandcliffe and CC Pettison and all the people backstage and then also dancing. Um, but it was a long schedule because I would get to the set at five o'clock in the morning, go in with the stylist, go through my clothes, then go to my room, get my makeup done. And you'd shoot like four or five shows a day. So you're like exhausted. Right. And by the time you're done, you go home, you pass out because you're just burnt out. And then you're back again the next day. And you're doing that all the time, you know? And it was just a lot. And for me, I just was like, this, I don't know if I want to do this. So then I started choreographing. So I choreographed for P. Diddy, which was Sean at the time, uh, Sean. And then, um, and then I choreographed for Eros Mazzotti. And then I did like a lot of other stuff for like dance videos for I worked for Lauren Hill. And then I just realized that like, this is boring as well. I feel no fulfillment. Every time I walked the runway, I felt no fulfillment. Every time I did any of these jobs, I didn't feel fulfilled. It was fun. I got invited to all the cool parties and all, you know, all the fashion parties in New York and hanging out with everyone and, and anyone you can imagine. But at the same time, I felt like the conversations were flat and boring a lot of drugs, which I don't do drugs. So, you know, that wasn't for me. I don't drink alcohol. I'm a purist. So those things didn't apply to me. There was a time that I did drugs, but before I got to that phase in my life, I had already stopped doing drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. So it wasn't appealing. And then everything was very superficial. It was always about how you looked, who you knew and how cool parties you got invited to. And at that point, I was like, where am I really contributing to life? Am I really contributing to life? Or am I just like being eye candy for everybody and always starving, living in the gym, you know, having the six pack, having the best body and meet and hanging out with those people. So I decided to go back to being a shaman because that's where I felt most fulfilled.
0: That makes sense. I mean, you know, of course... It's just, listen, I could talk, I, t- I love talking about like the whole concept of fame. And that's like something I love talking about. Because I agree, like I have a much different relationship with fame just because I do this. And I speak to so many people, people that I would have killed to meet five years ago. Now I'm like interviewing them and I'm like, oh, so I get it. But of course, like, as you say that, I'm sure there's a million people like saying like, you poor thing, like you had a six pack, you're backstage, you're talking about being good looking and thin. Does that, like having had all these experiences, like, do you think that helps you with your gift? Because, like, you know, I'm sure people come to you with things that they think are important, and in the end of the day, they're really not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, has it helped you really with your gift? Have I you think seen all that
1: experiences life? in my life have helped me. I think what it really helped me on, and I can actually say this without without a doubt in my mind, because I used to always ask myself, why did Spirit send me on this, this walkabout to dance, to being in front of a camera, to modeling, to doing a TV show, and all these things that I did when I was really young. And I realized what it did was it made me comfortable being in media. And so now when I look at it, when I'm on the TV show, The Doctors, or Good Morning America, I, people are always like, oh my God, you're so, you're so natural in front of the camera. It's so easy for me. I can stand on stage and speak to, like when I was in Iceland, I was speaking to 20,000 people on stage, you know, and it doesn't, phase me i don't have fear i don't have insecurity you know i i don't have that kind of energy and also when i meet celebrities i'm not like oh my god it's a celebrity you know i'm just like yo you're just an average person but your stuff is you you have a great skill or task that you do in the world that is pronounced to the world and i i'm gonna look at you like i look at all my friends you know if you, if you do some fucked up shit to me, I'm gonna I'm cut you and be like, yo, we're, 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 I'm not dealing with this nonsense. I'm not playing your games, you know? So I think that's why celebrities like me because they know I don't put up with their shit. And I tell them straight out what I think. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how you roll and what kind of... Way you wear your jewelry or whatever houses you have, it doesn't mean anything to me other than, are you real? Do you care about people? Can we have real conversations? Can we get real with each other? Can we go deep with each other? Are—are—if I sense one ounce of insecurity of like, I need to put on an air to, to make you see something. I'm out skiing.
0: I love it. A, I love it. B, I'm the same way. Now, I never was. Like, it took me for, you know, but I get it. I'm the same way. It's just like, you're all, we're all human. So, I I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, maybe there's one or two people, but I agree, like, when you, when I meet someone like uber famous, it's more like... There's certain people who are like, I respect your craft. Like, I can't believe you. Become- like, I can never do what you do. Yeah. But that's a different thing than, like, I'm just going to kiss your ass because you're at some place or I want something from me. So I love it. Yeah. I love all that.
1: I always bring it down to this level of if, if, if telephones were taken away, Instagram was taken away, and all the movies are taken away, and we go back to the basics where we have to, like, hunt and fish and have a camp. Beyonce, are you going to be invited in my camp? Because my camp is the lit tribe, and we know how to get shit done. Are you going to sing us to sleep? What are you going to do? Do you know how to hunt? Do you know how to change ocean water into drinking water? Do you know how to build a fire out of nothing? Because if you don't, then you're not going to go in my camp. I don't care who you are. Like, you need to have some kind of something that you add something to life. And that's how I look at it. So whenever I meet people, I always go back to that place, babe. I always go back to the place of, like, Okay, whatever. Would you be in my camp or would you not be in my camp? If you wouldn't be in my camp, I'm not going to give you, like, oh, I'm not into it. I've never been that way since I was a kid. I grew up, you uh, know, my aunt was the world first, my, my aunt was a world famous opera singer, Shirley Verrett. She was uh, Met's the first black woman to sing at the Met a uh, mezzo sopranoist paved the way for black women in opera. I grew up in the arts. I grew up around Sammy Davis Jr. and Fats Domino and all the Brat Pack and 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 all of the people you see in the in the early 70s and 80s. They were all at my house for dinner and having parties. My dad was a very socialite type person. So, I never really found them like, "Oh my god, who are you?" kind of thing, you know? It it was always about if you're a good person, you're generous, you're kind, you're loving, you're playful, you're open, you're sensual, I, I, can, I can roll with you.
0: I love it. Do you have any stories of, you know, just someone you met that, that wasn't like that, that treated you just horribly, you know, just because they thought they were up somewhere and you were down somewhere?
1: I do, but I'm not going to talk about it because I am in the public.
0: What about the opposite? Like any stories where you met someone, you know, you just were like, not that you had any expectations, but were you just like, oh my God, this person is like so ungracious. Like, I mean, they're just amazing. And I've known them for all of like a day.
1: Um, Who would I say was like that to me? I think Antonio was very sweet. You know, I spent, I, last summer I was with him. No, was it last summer? Tony yeah, Banderas. Tony Banderas. Okay. So I was with him in his house in Mallorca. Me and my girlfriend stayed with him, and he we were there at his award show um, for his kids, stuff that he does. And my girlfriend was receiving an award for humanitarian, and when we went to sit down at his da- at the gala table with all the wealthy people and celebrities of the world, and we're sitting at the gala table, and he looks over at me, and he goes. You know, Shaman i it's such an honor to have you here on my table with you and Princess Marta, and I want to tell you, you're going to, I'm so sorry, and I want to apologize in the beginning, that tonight is going to suck. You're, it's going to be the worst boring experience you ever had in your life, so let me tell you how things are going to go. You're going to be bored to death the food's going to come. No one's going to eat the food because they don't want the paparazzis and the people to see them putting food in their mouth. So the food will be wasted. And um, I have amazing entertainment playing on stage tonight, but no one's going to watch it. And the only time people are going to come to life is when the auctions come. So everyone can see how much money each person is spending so they can show off because so that will be the highlight of your night. But the real highlight will be when we go back to my house, and I put, I play, I play my trumpet for you and we have fun by the pool. And he goes, so for now, you know, we're all dressed up in our best. We're playing the role to bring money to my organization. So yes, my friend, you know? And I thought, wow, this guy is great. I like him. He's a keeper.
0: I love that. Cause I, you know, having been at things like that, you can picture it a hundred percent. That's like about as accurate a description as you can give. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. What about, so how is, you know, because there's a lot of people out there that don't really understand. I mean, I'm not claiming to fully understand. So how is a shaman different than other type of healers? I don't even know if that's the right word or helpers.
1: Well, so a shaman is different because we we operate in different fields. So a healer will come in and say, okay, I'm going to do healing on you. Whereas a shaman, we are here to create an understanding of how to evolve humanity. So we look at anthropology, sociology, we look at psychology, we look at the body, um, how the body ecology is, how your human ecology is, and how you create synthesis with the world. So I sit down with House of Parliament presidents, I sit down with the most powerful people in the world, and they're the ones who come to me to talk about the major issues that are going on and how I can give them insight our direction, plus our powers are very different from healers. Like we actually create new forms of healing, whereas healers take what they hear and follow it, study it, and then apply it. We are the creators of healing techniques. So we bring in the new information. We bring in the new understandings of psychology. We bring in the new understandings of how to adapt into your environment, be it food, be it um, culture, be it how you interact with people in your conversations, all of it.
0: And how do the visions factor into that? Like when you're five and you say you have visions of people in your class, like what exactly is that? Like a vision, like you see things. Yeah, so
1: like I'll give you an example of something that really affected me was this girl I used to play with in the playground. And one day I was holding her hands and I saw her hair coming out and she was coughing up blood. I screamed so loud. I couldn't stop screaming that my teacher, Miss Serena came out and grabbed me, brought me and her to the office, called my dad, called her parents. Her parents came in. They kept asking me i was like shaking they asking me what i saw and i didn't want to say so then finally my dad came he's like tell me what you saw and i told him oh you know i see this girl's hair falling out there's something sick in her body she's getting sick and the mom started crying and my dad's like what's wrong and, my mo- and the mom said oh my daughter just got diagnosed with leukemia and i saw her pro- i saw what's going to happen to her so a lot of times like that are like i saw a friend of mine he was climbing this fence and i'm like dude You're going to fall off this fence. The spirits just showed me the possibility of what's going to happen. And I share all the different possibilities. Don't go climb the fence. He's like, dude, I'm going to climb the fence and get that apple out of that tree. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't do it. And he did it. And he fell off the tree. And he started like, he hit his head so hard on the ground. He was like shaking. And literally the spirit spoke to me and said, go to his head and visualize this and say these words and it will stop. And so I just did it and it stopped. And he's like, how did you do that?
0: And I was like, I don't know.
1: I just Did
0: so once you do that at five or you know a young child like what happens like are you freaked out at yourself are your parents freaked out I mean I guess because it was in your family
1: yeah I mean my father didn't want me to show a lot of it to the world you know he wanted me to have a normal life and and I think and it's funny because even when he passed away he even said I'm really sorry for with with like restraining you because it was like it was always like a double side of my dad it was like yes. You can, but you can't, you know, because we don't want the world to think we're crazy and we don't think our family to be weird, you know? So he wanted he was always about how people saw him from the outside. And he was so much wanting to to, to clear that aspect of our life and our family heritage, where then he has a son who's going through all of those experiences, plus I'm going through my own sexuality, like you know, being fluid and I call myself soul sexual. Um, all of that was coming up, and it was really challenging for him to be able to deal with that because he wanted me to be what he wanted to mold me into to get me out of that. And I kept going deeper and deeper into it. And the more he tried to mold me, the deeper I went. So it was like, finally he had to throw his hands up in the air and be like, okay, go ahead, but don't draw too much attention to yourself. And that didn't really help much.
0: It's like a typical child just rebelling against their parents with anything.
1: Yeah, I didn't even realize I was rebelling. It's just that my powers got stronger and I couldn't hold them back.
0: And what is, because I've never heard this term,
1: what is soul sexual? So soul sexual is a word that I created instead of saying gay or straight or bisexual. Because I think those are labels of the matrix that are created by the system so that they can put you in a box and sell things to you and make you believe that this is what you are. I don't believe that gay people chose to be called gay. I think they were they were given an option and they clinged onto it for power and for like, okay, I'm gonna be the gay and I'm gonna say that I'm queer and I'm gonna do all these things. But I don't like, that's the same thing where people can say I'm black, but black isn't, uh, it's not a nationality. It's a color that they chose for me to say where i know my roots are, i there's no such there's no heritage of black on the planet as there are no heritage of white on the planet right and so they do that to separate you from your humanity so i call my i created my own word soul sexual which means that whoever i'm in connection with on a soul level that's who i can be intimate with
0: i like that yeah
1: by the way i'm not i'm not jumping in any of your boxes i don't like boxes i never
0: did I like that. I mean, well, maybe that's a new term that people will start using. Yeah. What about, so, you know, you have this gift, you rebel against it, you go and you're a model, you're on the grind with Eric Knees, which who knew that? So- no, he left
1: the grind. So oh, he left, oh, I wasn't wow. with him. Okay. He left the grind. And then that's what gave me the position to, to move in. Because they changed the whole show. The moment he walked away, I came in and then it was Jason
0: Olive, Georgina Bennett, and then me. I think I watched it up to the point that he left because I don't remember it afterwards. Yeah. So once you have all this and you go and do something else, like what do you do then? Like how is the formal training? Like how does one become a shaman? Like what's the oh, it's intense. That's
1: a long story. Let's just say it's intense. It's intense. It's um, it's about breaking you down mentally, emotionally, physically, and helping you understand that the world you live in is a lie. And be able to see into those lies. We call it, I I came the the matrix because it is a matrix. It's a system that's built to actually support the system. It's not built to support you. So the first key to being a shaman is to be able to recognize that the school system and all the systems were built to support the system. So you don't go to school because they teach you emotional intelligence and how to be able to handle when someone says something bad about you and how to think independently so you can create your own business and be what we call a self-sufficient person. They teach you how to be codependent. They teach you how to follow the rules. They teach you about the things they want you to learn to support the system. But anything outside of that, they call it vocational and anything outside of that, they call crazy. So then again, you have, to, you have two choices. You either follow the rules and do as you're told so they can see that you follow rules and that you're really adaptable to their rules so that when they create government rules or whatever rules, you'll just keep following the rules because that's what you do. Or you're a person I call an anomaly where you go into that system and you realize it's completely like fucked. And then you literally go and start creating your own shit and become your own thing.
0: Wait, I have another question. So did they think you were just? I mean, I don't know if you did well in school, but did they you know no, before- I left
1: school, I left school junior high. Didn't even go to high school. My dad paid for me to graduate from junior high to go to high school, and I didn't even show up. I went a couple days and I was done.
0: Okay. And so well, this is I think I, this was on your website, which I mean I understand this, but. I just figured you would explain it. Although you kind of just did, you know, like a shaman or some of the work you do is like redefining what wellness means by putting power, by putting the power back in the hands of the people so they can live consciously, authentically, authentically and in alignment. The wait is over. That's right. A season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Yeah, because kind of like, makes most sense?
1: people don't even realize they have powers. They've been robbed of it since you were a child. Like, watch, put your hand out in front of you. Okay, now repeat this word. Say, you are, say you are. You
0: are. Creating. Creating. Powerful energy. Powerful energy. In your hand. In my hand. In your hand. In your hands. Right now. Right now. And
1: then tell me when you feel sensation in your hand.
0: Like right now I do. Right, now say, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you. Go up my arm. Go up my arm. I feel it.
1: Right, now say go into my chest.
0: Go into my chest.
1: And merge with my power.
0: I feel into my chest already. And Mm -hmm. merge with my power.
1: Good, now put your hand down. You just your powers, now watch. Say bring warm energy into my body.
0: Bring warm energy into my body. I felt it like almost immediately.
1: Uh Uh-huh, say make the room colder
0: make the room colder. Like right about now.
1: See? And there's a lot more you can do with those powers. And that's why people flock to me because they love to find that they actually have superpowers that have been hidden from us by a system that wants you to believe you have no power so they can create more rules, more governments, so that they can get you to buy into their system so that you stay crippled and you stay in a place of fear so they can keep creating more fear to get what they want. That's why Caesar said, give them the arena and give them cheap bread. They'll never know what the Republic does. Well, they've been following that from Stalin, from Hitler, to you name it. They've been following that rule for earth For so long, there are so many people on this planet who feel powerless, especially with the COVID. Like biggest reason why people couldn't survive in the COVID energetically and mentally from mental health is because they don't haven't been taught how to adapt. Adaptation is not a thing. Getting on Instagram and checking your likes is. So the idea of not knowing how to move your energy to be able to handle any situation. That's why I'm here, to put the power back in people's hands. It's ridiculous that people don't have their powers.
0: I mean, that makes sense, too. Because the thing is, like, I said that in the beginning of COVID. I'm like, you know, once you are in it a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, and you wasn't fun, but you're like, the thing that separates people in this is it's, it's not physical. I mean, whether your house is one room or, you know, a mega mansion, probably like your friend Gwenny over there you're in a house, you have comfort. It's your mind. This is why people are going crazy. You just, I mean, I was one of those people who right away was like, I just need to get my mind right. Just switch your mind. You know? So I was, but I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of COVID, is that like, has that, how is that? Like, has that like increased your business? Like are people coming to you with like different problems now or it's the same set of, problems just intensified
1: it's a, it's a mixture some of people i get who are wanting to understand how to be mothers and be at home with their husbands and realize that they didn't spend that much time at home with their husbands and they're irritated by them and they're irritated by the kids and they didn't realize that because the kids were always with the nanny and the husband was always at work so they didn't realize actually what marriage life really looked like from a real point of being in, in, in seclusion with the people that they actually have in their life. So it's like an awakening for them. They're just like, Whoa, I had no idea. Like, this is what it feels like, you know? So it was like helping them restructure that helping men, restructure and pivot their companies business companies four to five hundred companies people who are big um who are you know really big in in the wall street and business and banking um everything so and then helping teenagers learn how to cope helping mothers learn how to be uh how to handle living their life and still having their peace of balance while being a school teacher to their kids And also having to maintain the home and whatever it is. And so um, helping women step more into their women empowerment, create sisterhood, create energies where they come together and start utilizing their intelligence to create ways for other women to stay, to be able to make it through this time as single moms. I mean, everything. I'm, I'm across the board. Wow. Tech companies, you name it. Celebs, actors who haven't worked people who haven't felt like they've been doing movies and their tv shows not working anymore because they're not shooting it or they are but then they're getting tired of getting the covid test every single other day so it's causing them stress and they feel anxiety all of it
0: do you feel like most people that come to you you have to kind of take it in and then say like okay you know 90% of what you're telling me is shit like you know because it's all about being authentic and I mean, is it that process when like a lot of new people, you know, like you listen to what they have to say and then you're like, 90% of what you just said is you like, you believe your own shit, but I'm telling you, all of that's made up. And who are you really?
1: Yeah, or- of course. That's me all the time. That's, must- that's, just, that's me all the time. That's not just because of COVID. That's why people come to me because they love that I do that.
0: I was going to say, I was just going to say, it must be fun to go out and have a nice cocktail with you.
1: Yeah, if I drink, but yes, I still have fun in the cocktail because I just tell it like it is.
0: And, I mean, to that effect, like, do you – does your work change? I mean, I know there's a big world, and it's not just New York and L.A., but, you know, being a true New Yorker over here, I love L.A., but, like, do you find, like, your work is different when you're dealing with people in Los Angeles versus New York City?
1: Yeah, because L.A. is very – L.A. people are great, but L.A. people live in a different type of energy, whereas New Yorkers just want to – they really want to dig in. Whereas LA people, it's very saturated. You can throw a tennis ball on the street and land on someone who calls himself a shaman, you know? So they're kind of like been fed so much bullshit from people. I have to weed through all of their, what they call their love and light spiritual bullshit, you know, and get them out of this kind of like
0: love and light, uh,"
1: you know, and get them out of that nonsense and get them more into the way New Yorkers think, which is like, I want to know how to get through this shit and move through it so I can be more powerful and have more money and have more vacations and have more Mai Tais. So let's get through it, you know, where it's different. And same in London and same in other parts of the world. L.A. is more kind of lackadaisical.
0: yeah. So, you know, knowing all this, like, do you, you know, you're still a human being. Like, do you ever have, you know, like doctors are sometimes the worst patients. Like, do you ever have a bad day? Do you wake up and you're like pissed off? Like, are you just pull yourself mentally and you every day is a good one? Yeah,
1: I don't get, I I, I know how to create uh, sustainable happiness and sustainable balance. So I don't get pissed off. If I get pissed off, that's a trigger. Then I go and look at that trigger and see what triggered me to get pissed off, and then I take responsibility if I said something to someone or whatever, and and make and make peace with it, and, and apologize, and then take responsibility for myself.
0: I'm, I think I'm kind of the same way. I mean, again, I'm not saying I'm a shaman or I'm I, I don't need help in a lot of areas, but you know, like I, yeah, it's hard to piss me off. You know, like I think like my triggers, like if someone comes at me with competition. And you want to draw a line down, but that's, you know, a whole nother thing. But on like a daily basis, I don't really, I'm not, I think it's just like happiness is a choice.
1: Yeah. And there's no competition either. No one can compete against you. You're one of a kind. They may try to copy some things, but they can never be you because all the life experiences you've had, all the food you've eaten, all the music you've listened, all the sex you've had, all the different things you've experienced have made up the sum total of a lot of your personality. No one can match that. No one can copycat that. There's no copycats. No meow, meow, copycat nonsense here.
0: I feel like I'm going to owe you a fee at the end of this chat.
1: Nah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, like, this is, you know... Um, what do you think, do you see like a common thing that blocks people, you know, like, do you see a common theme, like, having nothing to do with COVID just in general? And do you see like a different common theme when you're dealing with famous people? Or is it all just the same
1: with famous people or
0: just not yeah, famous I mean,
1: people? famous people have a lot of insecurities, you know, they and it's and it's amplified. So it's not so the difference is like, let's say a person who's not famous comes and sees me. We, we go through the situation and we, we process it, we clear it, we move it. We use, I use whatever powers I need to get it out of their body and then they're done. A famous person on the other hand has stigmas like little issues because of the amplification of their issues that are showing up in the press and different things. So the way they feel about it, they're more dramatic about it, you know, and it's not that dramatic because they take themselves so seriously That I have to remind them that it's not as seriously as they think it is, but they built their whole lives on this idea that it is. And then I have to reel them back in and tell them that it's not. And then they get to the place and they start laughing and they realize, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous. And then they see how easy it can be.
0: And I mean, it sounds like just we as people, I mean, again, I could be wrong. Like, is it just that we get in our own way? I mean, is that the bottom line? Like you as an individual? yeah, absolutely.
1: There's nothing that gets in your way, only the human being. I mean, I've taken people in the room and like generate electricity in their body. They're like, how do you do it? I said, stop thinking. Thinking's overrated. Just do it. And then they do it. And they're like, oh my God, my hands are vibrating. I can feel electricity coming off my fingers. Yeah, of course you can. Because now- No one's here sitting here allowing you to play games. I don't let you play games, not even the way you speak. If you speak and the elevator's not going up where I don't see high positive words in your sentencing, I'm gonna call you out. I'm gonna be like, why are you speaking with the elevator going down? Why are you speaking in this very low thing? If I go to lunch with friends and they're like telling me about their past issues, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Did I come to lunch to be involved in your necromancy of you going to your old graveyards and raising up the dead? I'm not in that ritual with you. So if you wanna talk about solutions to your pollution, I'm there. But if you wanna continue to like get me caught up in your old story so we can have a wham, wham moment together, I'm, I have other things to do.
0: I love it. I mean, and don't you find most people do do that, though? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it Not was that- with me, they
1: don't. Not when they call me to lunch. They know. They know. All the people who know me know. You don't call Shaman Durek to lunch if you're going to go into a pity party because I don't like invitations to pity parties. I don't want your invitation. I don't want, I don't want anyone coming to my house bringing me a letter to your pity party. I'm not into your pity party. I don't like the balloons. I never like the cake. I don't like your, your decorations there. I am the type of person that if you're inviting me to a pity party and I sense that I'm invited to a pity party, I will decline your invitation.
0: Fair enough. So I mean, at least people have a good time when they're with you.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's high vibe, laughing, talking about all the amazing things you're creating and going to create. We get into it. We have fun. We're like children. I'm like the wildest guy. You know, one second, you'll talk to me. Next second, I'm like, let's run butt naked on the beach. You know, like, let's be free. Why are we putting all these restraints on us? Let's dance. Let's be free. You know, like, let's play characters. Like, let's be let's be different people right now. Let's have a tea party. You know, let's just get wild. You know, but why are you putting, why do people put so many like structures and rules when there's already enough rules that the system makes? I'm a big kid. I want to be free. I want to jump on my skateboard. I want to surf when I want to surf. I want to ride my bike. I want to be in my VR playing my video games with my girlfriend. Like I want to be free. The only time I can't be free, you know, is when I'm with the real family. But that's why I pull away at times and go back into my world.
0: Well, I was going to say, is this positive, happy attitude? Because, you know, that attracts, you know, like happy attracts happy. Yeah. Like, is this what helped land you a princess as a girlfriend?
1: I think what lands me a princess as a girlfriend, I think it was destined. My mom told me when I was 14 years old that she, because my mom is Norwegian and she's also West Indian. And my mom told me that when she was young, when I was young, that she spoke to the elders in Bahal. The Vikings came to her in a vision and told her that my life has already been set up, and that I'm going to end up in the royal family. She told me when I was 14, I was going skating with my buddies, and I'm like, "Mom, honestly, how is that going to happen? What are you talking about?" She's like, "Someone's going to set you up on a blind date. You're going to meet. You're going to become good friends. She's going to understand you. You're going to understand her. You guys were knew each other in other lifetimes, and you're going to fall in love. And this is who you're going to be." And I was like, "Okay." And sure enough, years later. You know, my friend sets me up on a blind date. I was like dating this uh, in a relationship with a guy and then a girl and then another girl. And then I was like, okay, I'm not going to date anyone. I want to be like Queen Elizabeth. I want to be married to country and God. That's it. You know, I should paint my face white and walk around as the shaman who's painting with a white face. You know?
0: Seriously.
1: <laughs> and then all of a sudden I went there to the blind date and then she walked in. And my friend told me the day before, and I was just like, whoa, what are you talking about? She's a princess. And he's, she's like, I'm like, what kind? Is she calls herself a princess? She goes, no, she's uh, her royal highness. She's a real princess. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, what are we gonna do here? I'm, wearing, I'm like, walking, rocking my ripped up jeans and cowboy boots and like my Metallica t shirt, you know? And she's like, just be you. And I'm like, all right. And she came over and we looked, she walked in the door, looked in my eyes stared at me for a moment and goes, I remember you. And I saw Egypt. I saw like a vision of Egypt. I was sitting on a throne with two scepters and she had her hand on my shoulder. And she said in my mind, I found you. And I said to her later when we became friends, I was like, where do you think we knew each other? She goes, Egypt. She goes, I found you, my love. I knew wow. we would find each other after all this time. I was like, wow. And we became good friends and, and, She's such a cool girl, like we play video games together, like we go to escape rooms, you know, we're like the coolest, but she's a princess. And that's the only thing that was difficult for me was how do I, how do I have this amazing friend who's my best friend, and we have such a good time together. Uh, But then, oh yeah, right, she's a princess and she's a part of the royal family and her father's a king. And like, so it was kind of like a way for me to kind of like, kind of get situated. And then I saw the stuff that happened to her cousin, Harry, And his girlfriend, who he married, Megan. So I was just like, whoa, I don't know if I want to go through all that. You know, so I kind of took it a long time before I decided to, you know, to start dating her and start building the relationship. I just wanted to be her friend. And then one day I was on this TV show and she was on the show with me and I looked at her and I was just like, oh my God, like, I think I'm in love with this woman, but I didn't want to admit it. And then finally I admitted it and she was like, I've been in love with you the whole entire time. I just was waiting on you to figure it out. And then we, we made our relationship public, and it got a little crazy. But I wanted to spend some time with her children because she has three girls first. So so before I so, And I wanted them to meet me not as her boyfriend, but as her friend. So I needed right. time for them to spend time with my family and see how their energies are. Because if I'm going into this relationship with her, it's a relationship for life. It's not like I'm going to date her and break up with her when she has three kids. I want to make sure that I can be a father to these kids. And it all worked out. And then, you know, she told the king and queen and they're like, I thought he was gay. And she's like, no, he's so sexual. They're like, what's that?
0: (laughs) I was just going to say, did she say that you were so sexual? And then they were probably like. Her dad is really
1: open. So he's like, this is where we are today in our evolution. So it's great.
0: Did they have any, the royal family, you know, just like a shaman's not the average, you know, business tycoon. were they like, like background the
1: checks and like, you know, I mean, you don't get close to the royal family without going through some some, some high level scrutiny. Yeah. You know? But I passed, you know, and I, I I think the hardest part for me was, which was, was actually transformative for me as well, was sitting at Gwyneth's house. Because every year Gwyneth would be like, when are we going to find the right guy for you? When are we going to find the right girl for you? And I was like, no, 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 no. And she's like, but it just seems weird. Every time we have dinner, we do family outings, you never bring anyone, you never have this special someone. And then Brad would be like, yeah, you know, like when are we gonna have you be happy and have that? And I'm like, no. And then finally I told her and she was just like, what? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, I know her brother and I know her sister. And I was like, you do? She's like, oh yeah. And you know, and Gweneth helped me through the whole process, and so does my friend Kelly Rutherford, a lot of different friends of mine. They helped me to, to navigate the intensity of being in the press all the time and getting ripped apart and having European countries constantly spying on me and having my life be on constant scrutiny. Every time I get in an Uber, every time I go somewhere, the paparazzis are in my face. Every time I go, when I first arrived in Europe, I got 40 paparazzis around me, you know, and it's just like, and I already had enough attention because of my relationship um, with what I was doing as a shaman. And I I built myself up to such a degree where I became like the known shaman. That's how Gwyneth met me. But at the same time, it it, it went to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah, I would imagine.
1: So meltdowns. I was like meltdown, I was like shaking, I was having anxiety attacks. It was pretty... Pretty crazy.
0: Well, like, yeah, I guess like when you get off the plane and you're not expect, you know expect something, but there's like a gazillion paparazzi waiting for you. It's easy to say you're prepared and then you're like, oh, I, what the hell?
1: Yeah, and I thought, oh, I can go to America and hide and they're in my face there too. Or I was like, oh, I can be in a New York hotel and like someone spotted me and they told the paparazzi and every time I got out the hotel, I have five people following me around, you know, running behind the, the the cars and ducking and actually like, I'm like, I see you dude dude, I see you, like I saw you, like just take the picture, leave me alone, you know? But then I just realized Kelly taught me something really powerful and she said to me, Kelly Rutherford, she said, let them take the picture of you because I've been watching you in the press and you look like crazy because all I see is you running and doing, jumping in cars and ducking and doing all these things. She's like, so just let them take a picture of you and then go about your day. Remember, this person has to eat as well. She goes, that's how I handled it with me and my kids. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, great. And then Gwyneth's advice was, don't read the press. Never read one word they write about you and keep your eye on the tiger brother. She's like, look at where you're going and what you came here to do and don't read the press from now on. That's how I stay powerful. That's how I want my brother to stay powerful.
0: That was her advice. Yeah,
1: and I stuck to it, and it's worked.
0: I mean, that's good advice. So Gwyneth just never reads anything about herself?
1: Nothing. Zip, zilch, nada.
0: If you think
1: about it... She's an amazing mentor to me. Well, we are to each other.
0: I was going to say, if you think about it, that makes logical sense. Is that, did she give you any other good advice on how to handle the public eye?
1: Everything. She, she's always amazing. I mean, anytime I have a situation, I go to her, I ask her questions. She tells me what's up. Or my friend Kat Graham tells me what's up. You know, she's just like, this is, how, this is how I did it when I was on Vampire Diaries. This is how you handle this. When you, someone interviews you, you can change the, the, the journalist. You don't have to stick with the journalist. You know, like they educate me. And then my friend Nina Dobrev, she's more kind of like, uh, just remember to, to always like, Nina's more about keeping track of making sure she's on point with everything, you know? So I don't really want to follow Nina's way <laughs> because Nina can be intense. You got to keep up an Instagram for your dog and for yourself. That's a lot.
0: I've met all the people you just mentioned, you know, very briefly, Huge Kelly Rutherford fan, just of her work. Like you know, who doesn't love a little Melrose Place and a little Gossip Girl? Two of the yeah, best she's my shows. My best
1: friend, and she's amazing. We talk every, pretty much every other night, and she's just a really amazing friend. Like, and she's a Scorpio like me, so we get along really well.
0: Do you get into you know like vampire diet? Like, do you get ever? become a fan of the people you're helping, just of their work, or you're not into, like, TV and movies? So,
1: funny stories. And when me and Gwen met a long time ago, it was the most hilarious story. So she's like... I'm at her, I'm in her kitchen and she's like, oh, I heard you love avocados. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and so she's like, I had these avocados brought in just for you because I know how much you love them. And so her house people are like, no, I'll make it. She's like, nope, 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 nope. I'm making avocados for Derek. I want him to have, I want him, I want to make food for him. And I was like, okay, so she's making this avocado for me. This guy comes behind me, grabs me and starts hugging me. And he's like, man, I've been wanting to meet you. I mean, your story is so amazing. Gwen speaks highly of you, blah, 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 blah. So I'm thinking, who is this guy talking to me? You know, I thought maybe he might be a trainer or something because he had like these bracelets on that said love and he was like dressed in sweats and whatever. I was talking to him, sitting at the table and he's like, hey, do you want to try some of my honey from my bee farm? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to eat honey and avocado. And he's like, okay, well, why don't you come sit next to me on the table? So we're sitting on the table. We're talking. I'm like, oh, my God, your vibe is so amazing. It reminds me of my friend, Jimmy Chamberlain and Billy Corgan. And he's like, really? What? He goes, you know Billy and Jimmy? I go, yeah, they're my good friends from Chicago, the Smashing Pumpkins. As I was just at their concert the other day. I said, but you have that same vibe, like a musician vibe. I see I see you being really huge. Like, I see your energy. I see you being really big in the world. Like, do you ever travel to Europe? And he's like, yeah, sometimes. And I was like, oh, cool. So then at the end, one asked me, oh, so what are you doing tonight? Are you going to stay for dinner? And I'm like, no, 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 tonight's inner child night. She was like, what's inner child night? I'm like, that's when me and, like, my friends, we go, we watch cartoons, we go to Disneyland, we play action figures, we, like dressed up like superheroes and like, you know, we're like big kids, you know? And she's like, oh my God, that sounds so much fun. She's like, I can't, you know, encourage you to stay for dinner. And I was like, no, 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 no. And then I, and she goes, well, what was your plan tonight? And so the guy goes, well, yeah, what was your plan tonight? I said, tonight we're gonna go see Iron Man. And he goes, oh, Gwen can introduce you to INN. And I go, what's INN? He goes, Iron Man. I go, oh, your accent, your, your accent's so intense. I go, is that like a British accent? I go, yeah, I go, oh, so of course you've been to Europe because you you lived in, in England. And he's like, yeah. And I go he goes, yeah, so Gwen can introduce you to Iron Man. And I go, oh, I go, how is that? And then Gwen looks at me and she goes, what? She goes, don't you know that I was in Iron Man? I go, no, you weren't. She goes, yes, I was. I'm like, what? And then she turns around and turns into Pepper Potts and goes, hi. I'm pepper Potts. I was like, Oh my God, you were, I didn't put it together. And then she had asked me, um, what other movies she was in. And I don't, I I was like, I think you were in a movie called the Royal Tannenbaums or something. She goes, yeah. And what else? And I'm all, um, shallow. How, I believe like a, like a, you know, you're bigger. Yeah. And she goes, yeah. What else? I'm like, "Mm, I don't remember that much more. And she goes, you don't even know the movies I've done. And I'm like, no, not really. I'm sorry. And then my assistant was there and he goes, yeah, that jerk doesn't live in that world. You know, uh, I I, I want to get him more into that world, but he just doesn't get it. And she's like, oh my God, you're hilarious. So she's like, can you come over tomorrow? Because the kids really want to spend time with you. Can we hang out and have some like, you know, just like hang out time. And I'm like, sure. So I come over the next day and we're all just hanging with me and her just hanging out. And, um, and I go, I go, yeah. I go, was that your trainer sitting on the table with me? And she started laughing. She goes, you don't know anything, do you? I'm like, no. She goes, that's Chris Martin. I go, who's Chris Martin? And she goes, Coldplay. I'm like, what's Coldplay? And she goes, Coldplay. They're like one of the biggest band, like one of the biggest musicians in, in the world. Like what you saw and everything was true. I go, really? And she goes, oh, my God, I have to play you his music. She's like, you're hilarious. You could be sitting next to someone and not even know who you're sitting next to. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. Because I was one time at a sushi restaurant, and there was this guy talking to me. And, um, and I was like, oh, listening to him. And he was sitting with this girl. And then after he left, we had this deep conversation. And then this girl came next to me. My friend came, vis- uh, came next to me, and she said goodbye. Good. They both waved to me. And my girlfriend goes, who were you? You know who you were just talking to? And I'm like, no. She was you're talking to Leonardo DiCaprio and Giselle. I was like, "Oh, really? Was I?" He didn't look like me at all. He had like a hat, baseball cap on, and like a scruffy shirt, and like I don't, yeah, you know, I don't know, whatever. So, so anyway, so yeah, so that was the hilarious thing. And so when he saw me, he was like, "Yeah," he's like, "Derek," because he came over the next day to see me again. He's like, "You didn't even know who I was." He goes, "That's really flattering," <laughs> and that happens all the time. Like, like that's all the same thing with Nina. Like, I met Nina because it was Brad is one of my good friends with Gwyneth, because when I became friends with Gwyneth, me and Brad Bond and became good friends, and he invited, he wanted to only have his best friends at his birthday, and so I was sitting across, and there was this girl sitting across next to this guy named Glenn, and this guy named Cord, and he put, he Brad he was like, I put everyone on the table next to who I think that you're supposed to connect, and then I looked at Cord, and I was like, dude, I gotta share something with you, and he's like, what? And I started telling him all about these things that he was going through in his life, so then Glenn was like, how do you know that? And then Gwyneth was like, this is my brother, and he has amazing powers, and he's a shaman, and that's why he knows these things. And then this girl next to him goes, oh my God, like what else can you do? I said, I can do a lot of things. And so we went into Gwanet's living room and I showed them my powers and they were like going through this intense experience. And then the girl Nina was like, oh my God, we should be friends. And then we became friends, started hanging out all the time. And then I went to New York, flew me because I was there on business and she was there shooting something. And we had lunch and everything. And then she's like, you should go watch my TV show that I did. And I'm like, what's the TV show that you did? And she's like, Vampire Diaries. And I'm like, oh, well, let me go and take a look at it and check it out, you know? And so I watched it, which is funny because I watched it. And as I'm watching it, I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. Look how fun this show is, you know? It's like the characters, they're all vampires. One's a witch and this and that, you know? And then I was calling her. I was like, wow. I go, you know, your character is very much the real character. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you play uh, this girl, Catherine? She's like, yeah. yeah. I go, and you play Elena Gilbert. She said, yeah. I said, that's how you act all the time. There's no comparison. You are that person. You are Catherine and Elena Gilbert in one body. That's you. You were playing you. And she started laughing. And yeah, so I mean, going back to your question um, for me, it's, it's like, I just asked my friends, like, hey, you know, what, what, what did you experience or how do you handle this situation? And they're always there. They always call me back. They're always like, we love you. Here's how you handle this. This is what's going on. This is what you deal with. And so that's how it's been working for me. But it's tough. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a block in the park being in the royal family, you know?
0: I wouldn't think it would. What about like Harry and Meghan? Like, have you ever met them? Do you have any
1: we were supposed to that. meet each other in um, and we well, we were supposed to meet each other in London. We had set up a phone call with um, my uh, girlfriend's uh, cousin, Queen Elizabeth, and um, but the press found out, and so we canceled it. So we'll meet later on because r- right now we're in different parts of the world. They're in they're, what they're doing, and we're in Norway. But when we move to LA, we'll probably make connection with
0: them. I mean, what they are is, family. They are family. Yeah. What is it about, you know, like you meet a lot of people. What is it about like Gwyneth? Like how did you, you know, you meet a lot of people. How'd you go from meeting to being like brothers and sisters? Like what was that?
1: Uh, so Gwyneth was wanting to connect with me. I was doing all this work with women issues and war stuff that was going on in Israel and Turkey. And I started building a popularity about it and uh, it became a bigger and bigger popularity So people one day wrote her and wrote on her thing, saying something in regards to um, her needing to know me and whatever is what she says. And then basically uh, we came back into, uh, she was trying to connect with me, but my manager at the time was like, we're not sending Shaman Dirk all the way back from Europe just to come meet you. So it's not going to happen. So she kept for a whole uh, year and a half wanting to connect with me, but I was doing all of this work in Turkey and we had like crazy stuff happening with ISIS. And it was like all this stuff that I had to do to help the people. And um, and when you're like in situations where it's just like a lot of stuff on, you're not thinking about meeting a celebrity. You're thinking about helping the people because you're on ground zero, you know, and you're like dealing with like, you know, people being bombed and like guns and like crazy things that are happening, and you want to yeah. be there to support the people. And plus, I love Turkey, and I and I was also going back and forth to um to Iceland, spending time with the president, the first lady president, you know, helping and talking to her, and then also the prime minister and spending time with him in his country house. So I wasn't really thinking about oh, I'm gonna go meet Gwyneth. So and I actually and my manager called me and she's like oh yeah, Gwyneth wants to connect with you, and I think like, N, and she goes and no, and I go okay. So a year goes by and I was in New York uh, shooting a project and uh, I get up, my, my manager called me and goes, oh yeah, Gwyneth wants to interview you for Goop. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, there's this new magazine she started. It's called Goop. And they, have, they just got their office in LA and they would love to meet with you. And I'm like, hmm. I was like, so what do you think? And she's like, we'll fly, we'll fly you to LA for a couple of days. And then you have to fly back to New York and back to Europe. So I was like, okay, fine. So I get there, my assistant's there. He picks me up at the airport. He's like, I don't know what's going on, but I checked Goop's address and it's not the same address that we've been given. So we get to this house, this gate opens up. This guy comes out. He's like, oh, Gwyneth is expecting you. Take off your shoes, go in the other room. I can hear her talking in the kitchen. She comes in the other room. She's wearing all black jumpsuit with gold bracelets. And I said, she goes, Shaman Durek. She goes, you're the most difficult person to get in touch with. I can't even believe you're standing here right now. I go, hi, Gwen, give me a big hug and kiss. And then I went and gave her a hug and kiss and stuff and sat down and I thought I was there for an interview for Goop. And then her, um, her, her business person was there, Elise. I was like, so I never got the questions last night from my publicist about um, this interview. Uh, do you have, do we have an idea what this is gonna be about? She goes, well, we're not really interviewing for Goop. I go, then what are we doing here? She's like, well, I thought we could spend the day together. I go, oh, so there's no interview? And she's like, no. And I was like, so we're just going to spend the day together, you and I? She's like, yeah, is that okay? And I was like, sure. And we spent the day together. And at the end, she was like, we had this strong bond with each other. It was very family bond. It was very brother and sister bond. And at the end of the day, she gave me her number and was like, I know, I, I don't, I want us to be in each other's lives and never lose each other. And she's like, I, f- I feel like we've been in each other's lives before. And I was like, yeah, I do too. And she's like, you know, so can we exchange numbers? I'm like, yeah. And then from that day on, we, we, ha- we had our friendship.
0: Wow. And do you believe in things like that? You know, like it took you a while, like you were almost like destined, like do you believe in like destiny, like in that sense?
1: I believe that the spirits put us together if we are meant to be together. But I like, I look for organic connections, not forced connections. Like I've met so many people um, but I've never really wanted to, like, be friends with them. Right. You know, like, I met Natalie Campbell and spent time in her house with her. She asked me to come over, but I never had this feeling of, like, I want her as my best
0: friend. That makes sense. Have you ever met Tyra? I never met Tyra. You just were connected to Gwena. There was something about it.
1: Yeah, one of with other people, but like, yeah, it just happens naturally. If it, you know, I get invited to parties, you know, I've met Joaquin Phoenix, I've met his sister Rain, like I've, you know, I've been on red carpets in, with them and the charity events that I've, that I've participated in with like Liv Tyler and Maggie Gyllenhaal, I've met them, they're all very sweet and kind to me, but I never felt this feeling of, I want to connect with them and be their friends, because I didn't feel the the high level of spiritual um authenticity and and i felt there was so much more guardedness and more whatever and when i feel that i feel that there's people who are still insecure they're not secured enough to be friends with me you know and the ones who are will immediately see that i'm here to love you and be in your life and support you i don't want anything from you i don't care about who you are and what you do if that's what you do i want you to be successful at it and Gwyneth knows that about me. She sees that. Like, I don't go to her and ask her to do things for me. She has Goop television. I don't call her up and say, hey, I'm a shaman. Put me on your Goop thing on Netflix. No. I, like, everything has to be organic and real. And I'd rather have myself build myself than have mm-hmm. a friend build me so that everyone can say, oh, Gwyneth built you. No, she didn't. I was already building myself. I never asked her for anything. So, it, again, and also I get, like, tons. When we first became friends, she's like, a lot of people are going to like, want to get close to you to get close to me and want to offer you things to get it to me. And, um, and I just want you to respect that we have that, who our friendship is and I've never not respected it, you know? And that's how I am with all my friends who are celebrities. Like if they tell me something, I'm not going to go and tell people what they say. I don't care how much money you pay me. And also I have respect also too. And now, even now that I'm, you know, marrying into the royal family, I also am very cautious around who's around me because I'm in a different echelon, you know, and I need to be able to communicate to people who are in or close to that echelon. And so that I can talk, because I can't talk about the things that go on in the row houses, you know? So who do I talk to? I talk to my celebrity friends because they're close right. enough to it that they're not going to go and tell people in the press because they know what it feels like. I think that's the reason why a lot of celebrities choose to be friends with celebrities. Totally. Because they know that I got your back, you got my back. We're not going to, we don't watch shit out. We don't want, I, I don't want people knowing my business, you know, and we already deal with the hate and the this and the, and I deal with it a lot more because I'm a part of that rural thing. So I get death threats. I get, you know, people hating on me, making comments, marching against me, all kinds of crazy things. I get, And it's from all over the world. So it's not like, so for me, when I go to Gwyneth, I go there for spike. Sometimes I'll go like we, were, we went to the um, Oscars um, together and I was like, I don't want to go to the Oscars. I don't want to go. And she's like, Why? I'm like, I don't want to go. So that's what I want to do. I don't want to go. And so she's like, Okay, well, I'll throw an Oscar party. And I was like, I don't want to be at your Oscar party. I'm not interested. And she's like, Why? And I'm like, Because I don't want to be in. It's boring to me. I don't want to sit and watch people get awards. It's boring. She's like, okay. Fine. While the Oscar party's happening, I'll have a massage therapist come and massage you in the back part of the house. How about that? I go and then after the massage, maybe you can join me and mom. And and, and and everyone in the room and all the producers and directors, and we can all sit down and, you know, whatever. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. <laughs> so I went and got a massage while everyone is doing their Oscar party in the middle of our
0: party. I, I can't. Like, do you see, like, I'm like, I, I, that's, like, I, that's, I don't know, that's, like, amazing. Well, then, like, what do you, I, I understand the way you are, and I I agree, like, I'm that way somewhat, Like, what do you say about then the world? Like, do you have these big, you know, the fact that, yes, I agree with you. I think that is why celebrities are friends with celebrities. It's a safe space for the most part, not all the time. Like, what do you say about the world that this world is like someone would become friends with your sister's, brother's, friend's, driver because you know Gwyneth? Like, 15 times removed. Like, it
1: it sucks. It sucks because it's not authentic. You know, like, I've had, when I became a public figure, at the level that I am now and how it's growing even more, I have to really monitor people now. I, I take a lot of Gwenette's things, like when people come to my house, they have to put their phone in a basket. I don't want them putting their phone. I've had friends come over and try to record me and, and try to take pictures of, of me and sell it to the press for 20,000 a pop, 30 a pop. I've had ex-relationships go to the press and talk bad about me and make lies about me. You know? I've had friends say things about me. That are not even true just so they can make money from the press. I'm not into it, you know? And me and my girlfriend were very insulated in the idea. We see it right away. My girlfriend, she's been in it since she was born. So she sees it right away. And when I bring people around, she's like, no, 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 get rid of them. They're, they're not here for the right reasons. You love people so much. You're not looking at where, where they're really coming from. And it's the same thing. Like, because I'm friends with like Nina, friends, and Nina calls me up and she's like, hey, I'm having a party, invite some friends but only invite friends who you know is not going to be gawking over me. Like, I want to be able to be free in my environment, jump in the pool if I want to do a cannonball and not have someone going like, oh my God, look at her do the cannonball. No, I can't invite those people. So I watch, I now scrutinize the people around me and see, are are you a star fucker? Are you a person who like, needs to be around celebrities so you can get a social climb? Are you going to be real and let organic relationships build so that if you do get a social climb, it's not because you are, in t- you are going in with an agenda, but you are going in from a real like, place of authenticity and just being you. Because that's what they want to see. Like oh, when right. my friends call me up and like, hey, I'm going to do a party or I'm going to do something. And they're like, invite some of your friends. I, I invite my friends who don't have that behavior. You know, right. I know there are friends of mine who do have that behavior and I don't invite them. I don't even get them close. I don't even bring them to Gwyneth's house for dinner. And Gwyneth says, hey, bring some friends over to dinner at my house. I selectively choose my friends who I'm going to bring because I know one, in, they have great conversation. They're not starfuckers. They're not going to treat her w- weird because she can sense it like, like that. Gwyneth can sense a fake person out of a crowd of thousands of people. She's like, she's just like, she has like like a laser. She sees it. Oh, look at that person. They're acting different because of of who I am. And and that makes, that they don't like that. And my girlfriend's the same way. She doesn't want to get around people who are like acting weird because she's the princess. You know, like one time we were in Spain and we were going to a building and everyone came, people were coming. We were going to a party to dance the house music because we like to dance till six in the morning. And people were coming out and they saw her and they all started curtsying and bowing. And she's just like, oh, stop. She's like, stop, stop. Can I, can we just have fun tonight? They're like, your Royal Highness, your Royal yeah. Highness. And I started laughing and the, you know, and the bodyguards around us, you know, and they're like looking at me laughing and I'm just laughing because I just like, so she, to her, she, my girlfriend. But then when I'm in, when I'm, when I'm, tra- when I'm doing things, I forget, you know, sometimes, yeah, I am, this is, we actually have bodyguards and this is a princess and my future father-in-law is a King and, My brother-in-law is the prince and this is the world I live in and all my cousins will be all over Europe from from, you know, Sweden, Denmark, Luxembourg, Monaco, Spain, England. Those are all our cousins. You know, so everyone knows my business. So it doesn't, so whatever I do, Queen Elizabeth learns about, you know, they all know because they're all writing each other. Oh, so it looks like Derek and Martha are off to a good start. You know, it's like, this is, they're all paying attention to each other. They know, everybody knows each other.
0: Yeah. And I imagine if people come into your life and, you know, they slowly, casually after, you know, two months slip, you know, the princess's name or Gwyneth's name or Nina's name. I mean, you're probably just like... Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah.
1: Don't use my friends or use me and our titles to gain your position of presidents or power, you know? It's be authentic and real and organic and I will give you the world. But if you're not authentic and real and organic, I will. we will shut down immediately. And that's the same how Gweneth feels. That's the same how all my celebrity friends feel.
0: I I would think so. And I have some
1: I mean, friends I don't even talk about cuz they don't even want people to know that we're friends.
0: Th- I mean, that to me makes total sense. I mean, it's there's it's not sustainable. It's like the whole like you could be someone's biggest fan in any way you want to show that, you'll never be their friend. It it just it doesn't work that way. It's just that's it doesn't not how that life way. works. It's just an interesting thing. I didn't know if you had these bigger visions of like the world. And I mean, that's a whole nother, con- cause these are the things I think about just cause of this. And I mean, you must think from a social media point of view that like people have truly lost their minds now, you know,
1: like, oh, I people- think people, I think I, I, from a social media perspective, um, I just think people are stuck in what they want to see and what they want to believe, you know, I mean, a lot of times when people look at people, they kind of just create whatever they want to create. My focus with social media is to create content to help people change their lives. So I'm on Instagram and I'm on Clubhouse. And that's where I spend my time.
0: I got to get on Clubhouse. Everyone is telling me. It's been like on my agenda of the past two weeks. Everyone's like, you got to check out Clubhouse. It's the thing, I guess now.
1: It is. I told Guantanamo, I was with her last week and I was like, um, this clubhouse thing can be really great, and she's like, ah, oh, it's so confusing. I don't know what to do. I'm like, don't worry, I'll figure I'll show you how to do it. I got Kelly on. I brought the princess um um one of the princesses um from Nigeria. she's on. I'm trying to get more you know people royal family members on, but it's like it's amazing.
0: Have you ever watched Gossip Girl or Melrose Place? Well, you tell your friend Kelly that. There are, that I say they're two of the best TV shows that are ever made. Not that she made them, but just-,
1: just sometimes just, I feel bad about that, you know, because I'm doing a room on Clubhouse, I think in a couple of weeks, the Gossip Girl room, and I'm going to have people come on stage and ask Kelly questions, you know, and then people will ask me, so have you ever seen Gossip Girl? I'm like, no. But then again, I've seen Dynasty, uh, where she's in that with another friend of mine who plays the wife And yes, Dynasty. Yes,
0: she was in that, you're right. Yeah, i seen that. I forgot about that.
1: You know, I've seen some of her Hallmark movies and stuff. You know, but when I see my, like, friends, like, my friend Glenn, who's one of my, Glenn and Cord, who are one of my very dear friends, best friends. My friend Lamorne, who's one of my good friends. You know, like, when I see Lamorne in a movie, I laugh sometimes. But I then I call him up, and I'm like, dude, you did good. You did good. You're not a loser. Bye. <laughs> you know?
0: Well, I mean, you didn't even know Gwyneth was an Iron Man, so... You know. Yeah,
1: until she showed me her, her. She was Pepper Potts, but like, it's like my friend Glenn. He's doing the movie Top Gun with Tom Cruise. You know, he does a lot of big movies, and I see him, and I just like, oh yeah, there's Glenn. I get excited for them because I, I really appreciate how much they put into their craft. Because when I go over to their house, they're like reading scripts and it's stuff. It's hard and work. Can you run these lines with me? And I'm like, sure, yeah, no problem. You know.
0: Yeah, I don't understand how people memorize all those lines it's hard I mean that's the thing like it's just our culture of what we've made it to seem like celebrity and just the way you put certain people up on a pedestal it's a job that they love for the most part and they work a hundred thousand hours a day it's not an easy job yes they're paid well and blah 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 but it's a hard job I don't know I just think it's those are the topics just fame and the way that we treat people right that like someone would jump over a fence to get to you to get to Gwetth when they don't know anything about her or you like right if they like you as a person that's one thing but they don't care so it's yeah. it's a very strange they'll try to
1: get me to give her a product that they don't even that if they knew right. it, they would know that she didn't like it before right. they even give it to me you know and i know what clothes she likes i know what things she likes so i don't bring anything to her table as a friend unless i know she's gonna love it
0: you know right and that's a whole other part of it. Board,
1: you know when he was having his breakup In the media, um, you know, when he was going, when he was uh, with, what's her name, from um, my friend Bonnie was in the movie with her.
0: uh, I don't know who Cord is. Cord Overstreet? Cord Overstreet, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm like, that's the only one right
1: now. He's one of my buddies. um, I'm definitely going to make him my best man and some others. But the point is, like, Cord, you know, when he was going through his situation with, I think it was Emma, was it Emma Watson or one of them? um, You know, he was going, I, I said, dude, like, whatever you're doing right now, it's going to blow up in the press. So just be comfortable with the fact that it's going to blow up in the press. So a lot of my friends, like I warned them too. I'm like, if you do this and it gets caught, are you going to be okay with it? You know, and they're like, no. I'm like, okay, then don't do it. You know, it's just simple. I go to their house and everyone's playing beer pong and like we're hanging out playing video games. We're just kids, you know? And they just happen to be on TV and they just happen to be in a movie and they just happen to be doing these things. And then when they're not doing that, they're like reading their scripts while sitting there, you know, drinking their matcha. It's just like,
0: Everyone's a person at the end of the day, really. That's where
1: I'm coming to. It's,
0: exactly. I, it's true. It's true. Um, what was I going to ask you? Would you ever be on? I mean, I assume the answer is no, but you never know. Like, would you ever be on a reality show yourself? I mean, I don't even know if you can, being part of the royal family. I don't know how that works.
1: I mean, I have a show that I'm going to be doing soon, uh, but I can't really talk too much about it because we're still in, in the midst of, you know, conversations. But I was recently on a reality show called Bling Empire,
0: Yes, you were.
1: Um, And um, yeah, it was quite interesting. You know, the thing is with the royal family is that they, you know, King Harold and Queen Sonia are very open-minded to a certain, you know, and they're very sweet and they're very kind family and we talk about everything. So, you know, as long as we talk about it and I make sure it's done in a classy way, they don't freak out on me. But if I do things that are not done in a classy way, then they get annoyed, you know, and it's, it's pretty much goes for, you know, any situation when you're on that level.
0: Which, and I take it you didn't watch Bling Empire. No. no, you were on it. It was amazing. But what I did about- talk to Kevin the other day, and I
1: talked to Kelly.
0: We had Andrew on, her boyfriend, on this podcast. Oh, yeah. What about when you have someone like Jamie, I think you tried to help Jamie on that show and she saw a vision of two Bottega Veneta bags that she was gonna buy. Like, I mean, is that, is there certain people that are just on a level that they're just not like open to help, so to speak? No, Jamie was
1: open, it's just that they cut the scene. So what you see is a small portion of what, we were on that beach, I think for a a long time, I think it was like two hours. I did a healing with each person on that beach. And then we did a ceremony where everyone threw things into the fire. Kevin, I did a healing on Kevin. He was throwing up. I did a a healing on Jamie. Jamie's conversation was, I said to her, the spirits told me that you have a hard time making a decision. Um, It seems that way because of your family and the way you were raised. And it's caused you a lot of anxiety and stress so much to the point where you feel like sometimes you're about to have a meltdown. And I said, and even just recently, I see you having a difficulty while you were shopping you know, and, and, you know, and, um, and you couldn't make a decision. And then she said, yes, the other day, I was going to get I couldn't decide if I was going to get this Bottega bag, or if I was going to get this one. But there was a whole healing that took place before that. And that was like, in the middle of it. I mean, she cried, she went through her own healing. Another guy cried. Another person talked about uh, Kane, we talked about his stuff of relationships and his how he handles things. Everybody had a healing and they only took the, the cut it, and then showed the part from, uh, from where, uh, where Kelly was speaking with me.
0: That makes sense. The power of reality TV. Yeah. What about Kelly? Because she's back with Andrew now. Like, do you foresee anything? Like, is it going to work out?
1: I think Kelly is comfortable and I think, I love Kelly. I'm actually going to see her again soon. I think she's very comfortable in like having someone there. especially when you're in the midst of COVID, it's nice to have someone, you know? Do I think that it's going to uh, work out? I probably won't say right now until I tell Kelly what I think.
0: Okay, I mean, that's fair enough. I didn't think you were going to really say, but you know, we've ha- I've chatted with Andrew. He's, I mean, he's interesting. And Bling Empire was a phenomenal show just for whatever that's worth. Um, do you have any reservations about something, you know, like you're working on a show now, like you said, do you have any reservations like knowing reality TV? Like you just said, you know, you have this whole scene and then you see two minutes of it, you know, lots of things. Oh, I make a, sure a that way. all my contracts
1: with my, I have, a, I have a kick-ass lawyer. I make sure all my contracts are done in a certain way. So that way, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I just did a reality show a show called Martha in Norway with my girlfriend where, you know, it shows us in our life. Um, you know, we have other projects that we're going to be doing that's on TV, you know, and I'm just, we're just very, we're very tight with our contracts. We're like, you, we are a part of the role. I'm like, we we, we, you can't do this. You can't make mockery of us because we are right. part of the Royal family. I'm marrying into the Royal family. I'm not a Royal yet. She is, but I will be when I marry her and I want everything to be good with my mom, my future uh, mother-in-law and father-in-law of King Harold and Queen Sonia and, you know, and, and, and Prince Haakon and Princess Mete, you know, and the rest of the royal family, which I'm sure we can't meet all their approvals. But the, but the point I'm making is, is that my contract always is very solid. Very solid. I don't move on anything TV-wise unless my lawyer goes, they, they have no right to change your image to make you look like a clown.
0: That's good. Three final questions as we wrap up. One, and then it is about you. Just, you know, Gwyneth, it's great that she doesn't read anything about her. You know, this isn't all about Gwyneth. It's all about you. I'm totally fascinated by what you do. But, you know, like, what do you say to the people that, you know, like a lot of the press about her is, like, she's cold, she's stiff, you know, waspy, All lies.
1: Lies. She's the most warmest, loving, caring, nurturing, present, spiritual, deep, profound, um, insightful, psychic, um, amazing chef, amazing mother, amazing wife to her, her husband, amazing friend. Um, She will give you the shirt off her back. Um, she doesn't get angry. It takes her a lot to get angry, and even when she gets angry, she feels sad about being angry because she doesn't want to be angry. Uh, when it comes to business, she's she's a businesswoman. She's a powerhouse. Sorry, she's a boss lady. A lot of people have get rubbed the wrong way, but like you know, for instance, Gwyneth's assistant Kevin, who who's runs or handles everything, he wouldn't be with Gwyneth this long. If, he was, if she wasn't a good person. I know Kevin. He's the sweetest man. He's a kind soul. He would not stay in a situation where he'd feel like he's being treated like shit. if is the most loving person. I've never, ever seen her treat anyone like that, ever. And not only that, but when we are around people, she's, so, she's more courteous than I am. Like there's times where I'm getting annoyed and she'll say to me, brother, make some space for them, be more compassionate and understand where they're at in their life and don't get so upset because they didn't make it to dinner at this time. You know, she's like, everyone has their life, brother. It's okay. She's super laid back. She's always laid back. There's never a day I don't see her laid back unless I visit her in the office and she's boss lady. It's a different energy because she's in business mode as a woman, you know? But when I you're get out it. family, family vacations, whatever, chill.
0: I get it. I think I'm the same way. When I'm in work mode, like I'm a Gemini, like it's, I'm a terror, but. Other than that, I'm the most laid-back person in the world. Are you great about being on time? Just from what that story you just told, are you seem like the type that's always on time. Yes. And what do you think, this is like, as we wrap up, what is like the biggest misconception about you? Like, you know, either you because you're with the princess, Gwyneth, what about like what you do as a shaman? Like the I mean, non- there's a lot universe. of
1: misconceptions. People think I'm only with the princess because I want her money, or they think I'm with her because I want fame, not really interested um, I got into people don't understand my who I am because I for years would I could have been in the press. I've had many friends who are powerful celebrities who wanted to talk about me and I told them not to. So if I wanted to be in the fame in the press, I would have like said, yeah, go for it, you know. Um, a lot of times people think that shamanism is a religion. It's not, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. A lot of people think it has to do with voodoo and you're like killing chickens and whatnot. Nope, it's not. That's all bullshit. You know, and shamanism is basically means having a relationship with food, nature, ancestors, people, community, your body with life, but in a most authentic way. And, you know, a lot of people think that, I may become, I, I, sometimes people might find me to be a little shrewd and a little intense. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just real, you know? And if people can't roll with that and they have a hard time with that and they want to turn it into whatever they want in their head and build whatever stories they need to try to make me look ugly or paint me to be a monster or whatever it is, go for it. Good. Bring, do it. Kick a table over, break a window for me, whatever you got to do and make sure you let everybody know. So that's just going to, you know, that's your own energy. It has nothing to do with me. You know, I'm the most loving person, but if you're like cu- catching me at a table and I'm sitting at lunch with Nina and we're trying to have lunch with me and my friend Nina and, um, and our, and our other friend who's a dancer, you know, and who also does stuff with Juanita and Oprah, you know, and you, you, you were sitting there, you know, having lunch and just wanting to mind and your paparazzi and TMZ's up in our face. And we've asked them, take your picture and leave and they'd stay there and they're still hammering on us, you know? Yeah. You might see Nina get mad or you might be like, see me get a little frustrated because we want to have our personal quality time with each other. We don't see each other that much, you know? And so when we don't see each other that much and you know, and my friend Julie, Howe is like, on the table with me and Nina eating, and we, she lives her life doing her kinergy, Nina's doing movies, I'm traveling and helping the world, and we finally can sit down and have friendship time, and there's a person in our face, yeah, we might be a little freaking annoyed, you know? Because we, we, we haven't seen each other in like seven months, or four months, or five months, and here's the one time we get to see each other, and boom, there's someone in our face, so.
0: That makes sense. What about anything else you want to cover? Um, well, first of all, I mean, you don't want to go to Gwyneth's Oscar party. So I am like really, first of all, this has been great. and I'm really sincerely appreciate you taking your time. You know, you don't go to her Oscar party. You don't want to go to the Oscars, but thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. There's lots of other places you could be right now.
1: Yeah. I don't like going to most galas. And when the Royal Family, I have to go, it's mandatory. So I just suck it up, you know, and sit there and like, do, do, do my best to have the best time I can have within the restraints of being in that situation. Um, but I'm not a person who likes to sit down and watch people get awards and clap. And like, no, right. I'd rather be at home playing video games and like- It's more know, real. It, yeah, just hang out with my friends, go watch a movie, like, you know, go to the gym, do something. I don't want to sit and it bores me. And I get invited a lot. I've had celebrity friends be like, oh yeah, why don't you come to the red carpet with me? I'm like, no thanks.
0: You just don't like the ass kissing that goes on.
1: I'm not into it. I was invited uh, by the vice president of Netflix to go to his Netflix party. and I was on the red carpet. I had to take pictures, you know, and his wife is good friends with me and Gwyneth. So, you know, she's taking me through. And then what's his name? James Corden came up and he started kissing my face and being like, oh, my God, Shaman, we love you. And he's like hugging me and stuff. And then I go in. I'm like meeting all these people coming up to me like, oh, my God, we've heard so much about you. And. Then you have like Pharrell, then you have this person and that person. They're all getting in my face and it just causes me so much internal stress, you know? And I'm just like, I, I think the, the the people that I met that night that I thought was really great was the kids from um, that movie or that TV show called Stranger Things, Meeting their parents and those kids were so sweet. They're so wonderful. But I, all these other people, like these big celebrities and whatever, they're talking to me and like. And then another one's talking to me and then this person's, and then the, the wife is introducing me to more people and she's like, Oh, and meet this person. Oh, you have to meet this person. Shaman. Oh my God. You meet this person. And I'm like, Ugh. I'd rather be at home soaking in a tub with some nice bubble bath, salt, healthy, organic stuff. And nice, just relaxing evening with a book.
0: <laughs> I love it. I, or dancing I, I at the it.
1: Tables and Ibiza till six in the morning.
0: So in a way, even though, you know, COVID is a many horrible thing, like, you must not mind the whole, like, social distancing and staying in thing.
1: Doesn't bother me at all.
0: Doesn't bother me either.
1: I'm like, oh, my new, no- my, my, my normal of my irregular normal. Everyone's like, that's my new normal. I'm like, that's my normal normal.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, you get used to it, you know?
1: Get used to it, and also I—I I, ever since being in the public eye, I spend more time deciding where I want to go. You know, and same thing with Glenda; like she doesn't just go out gallivanting on the street. She goes out with purpose. You know, a lot of my celebrity friends don't just go out to go out. Right. We go to a restaurant. We go to a venue. We go to an art show. We go to each other's houses. We go to a party. We go to an event, and we go home because we're because we, we get bombarded. You know, and it's and so you kind of just find that space to just where you can be you. You know, you can't be you when everyone's scrutinizing everything you do.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, I understand that when celebrities hang out with celebrities, like you said, it's not obnoxious or ego. It's just like, you're with a like-minded group that understands there's no pictures. Gwyneth makes you give your phone when you go over. I mean, not you, but the average person.
1: Yeah, you're not gonna walk around her place with a phone. That's her, that's her, that's her domain. That's her, that's her palace. That's her, that's her beautiful home that she's created for her and her children. She doesn't need people that she, but wait a minute, she wouldn't even let you in the door if she didn't trust you. So. Right. She doesn't really want you walking around with your phone if you were like on your phone, but like, she lets me, but I'm her bro, you know? For it's her a family.
0: good, it's a I good idea for celebrities. I think.
1: I can jump in the pool and do car wheels on the grass with her. And we, we can dance around to crazy music and swing on a swing set and be happy.
0: Your Uncle Durek. I am. You are. Um, what else? Do you want to cover anything else? Like, what else do you have going on? I like to give people a chance at the end. You could plug any projects, anything else you're working on that I didn't cover. Sometimes I skip over things with my own selfish agenda.
1: No, that's all right. My thing is just uh, helping people level up their powers. They can check out you know, my uh, shaman school at shamandurek.com. Follow me on Instagram. Come to Clubhouse. Hang out with me in the rooms. Have fun. Uh, and, like, uh, come to the Healing Temple on Saturday if you want to up-level your your life and, you know, get into your powers.
0: I have to check out your... I'll check out your Kelly Rutherford Gossip Girl Clubhouse when it happens. Yeah. That'll be fun. Do you find more people now because of, like, you know, you were on Bling Empire? Like, is that a whole nother thing, like, on your social media where people were reaching out, like, bling, bling? I mean, that had a moment. That yeah, I mean, it still has a moment. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. Yeah, I mean... uh
1: so basically I get like, well, for one, I mean, with the bling empire, I, people in the press were like writing uh, a future royal, like they said like, oh, the people in bling think they're bling, but they don't realize that the shaman is the future royal. That's their shaman in the show. So people write that. They're like, oh my God, are you really going to become a part of the royal family? So they, you know, I get that. And I get a lot of um, Asian people writing me being like, I want a session now with you. I mean, a lot of people, everywhere I, talk, I go, they're like, oh my God, I saw you last night on Bling. I loved you. You were the best. Everyone seems to think that I was the best healer on the show. They loved it.
0: You had a great scene. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Me.
1: I mean, There's the whole I show. I was like, oh my God, you rocked on Bling. I was like, okay. Yeah. I, was I, like, mean, I didn't really see all the shows, so I don't know what to tell you.
0: You, you know, it was, it was a funny, it was a good scene. It was a good scene. The power of Netflix and reality TV, right? You'll have to come back. I literally am letting you go because I am respectful of your time. I could talk to you for 17 hours. (laughs) So if you want to come back, you know, you will come back because you're amazing. What is your Instagram? Just so everyone can find you. Shaman Durek. That's easy. And I'll like put it in the bio. I really appreciate it, seriously. I hope this, you know, this was authentic for me. So I really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for answering all of my questions. This was Absolutely, amazing. yeah. You'll have to have
1: me, you have to have um, us again when we get our projects off the ground. I'm sure you're going to love it.
0: I already am so intrigued. So I can't wait. But yes, you can come back anytime you want. I love it. All right, thank you so much. Have a good day.
1: Thank you, love.
0: See you later. Bye. Bye, sweetheart. Bye, darling.